This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Well, hello, everybody. This is Readers Entertainment Radio. My name is Patricia W. Fisher, and it is August 22nd. It is National Take Your Cat to the Vet Day. Very exciting day for those of you who have cats, and for those of you who don't, that's just one less thing you have to do on your to-do list today. It is also Thor's Day, Thursday, and so we always love sending out a quick Um, Hello to Chris Hemsworth, wherever he may be. You are always welcome to join us here on the show. We would love to hear from you Um, and know what books you read. So we today have a wonderful uh, guest, Stephanie London, and we are going to call her here and see if we can get her on the phone. We're having a little bit of difficulty because she's calling from – uh, from Toronto. So we are calling her to see if we can get her on the line, and we did. Yay! Hold on. Let's see if we can get her on here. I'm new to this board here, so let's see. Hello, here we go. Hello, oh, Miss Stephanie. Can hear something now? <laughs> it is. Hi. Hi, how are you going? I'm good. Okay, so let me give a quick intro to you. So for those of you who are not wonderfully familiar with your stories, um, Stephanie London is an award-winning USA Today best-selling author of contemporary romance and romantic comedies. She has won a multiple uh, amount of awards, including the Holt Medallion and the OK RWA National Reader's Choice Award, and she has been nominated for the Oscars of Romance Writing, the Rita Award. She's originally from Australia, now lives in Toronto with her very own hero, and is currently in the process of doing her best to travel the world. Um, She frequently indulges in her passions for good coffee, lipstick, romance novels, and anything zombie-related, and I cannot tell you how excited I am to talk to you today. How are you? Same here. I'm well. How are you? Very good. So let's start with kind of the basic questions that people always ask authors. So were you a big reader growing up? Yes, absolutely. Um, My dad told me once that I was the most difficult child to ground if I'd been naughty because being sent to my bedroom was the best thing ever because that's where all the books were. (laughs) That's wonderful. It's like, how do we punish you? Hmm, That's a hard one. So that's... I was definitely that kid with a nose in my books, like all through school. I even now have books that drives my husband crazy. I have books all over the house and it just makes me so happy. You know, I have the same thing and my husband's like, don't we have enough? And I'm like, no, no, (laughs) there's never enough. (laughs) No, never. Not for books. They're just, you know, there's certain things in the world. There's never enough coffee. There's never enough good wine good friends, and good books. It just doesn't oh happen. God. So 100% it's agree. limitless. <laughs> so you, um, you, what kind of books did you read growing up, or what were your go-to? So I think I did, like, a lot of the typical stuff. Like, I loved a bit of Babysitter's Club and Nancy Drew when I was young. Uh, but then when I started moving into more adult fiction, actually Agatha Christie was the first author that I really ever fell in love with, and I still, to this day, adore her books. So primarily when I was younger, I was actually a mystery reader, and today I still do enjoy, like, I read a lot of thrillers, and I love those kinds of books. And I actually didn't come into romance until... 
kind of a bit later in life than a lot of people do. I think because my mom and my grandmother weren't really romance readers, I never had like the chance to sort of pluck a lot of them off the shelves like a lot of romance readers do. And so um, it wasn't actually until I started writing that I really got into reading romance novels. So you didn't have that um, finding the box of books in your aunt's closet uh, experience of the all the Harlequins that your aunt was hiding type situation. <laughs> no, no, I did. I remember reading, it's like Barbara Taylor Bradford, my grandmother was like very into her book. So I think I kind of ventured maybe into like women's fiction a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, and I had read a couple of like V.C. Andrews books when I was younger, but I definitely wouldn't put those in the romance category there sort of something else um so I had read those kinds of books but I'd never really like had the because in in Australia we call them Mills and Boons but they're Harlequin here in North America um no that my mother my mother and that didn't read those so it kind of was I didn't stumble across those until I was in my 20s okay and what was the first um book you read that was you would consider romance or was considered romance I wish I could remember the name. I have a feeling it was a Kate Hardy medical romance. All I remember about it was that there was a scene on a plane where a doctor had to like intervene and save someone's life while they were mid-flight. And um, that was, that's kind of all I remember of it. But um, essentially when I wanted to start writing a book, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to write. And uh, someone had suggested to me, you know, romance would be great because it's just stories about people and, you know, you know people and you know relationships. And I was like, yeah, I do know those things. So my mum actually, like, went to our local charity shop and bought me about 10, like a whole stack of them, brought them home and gave them to me. And I realised I'd just been completely missing out on these fabulous books my entire life. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here and we're glad you, we're glad you found it. So um, so tell me the, the idea. You were talking about writing your first book. What was the catalyst to make you want to do that? I have I'm, – I'm really an author cliche. I have always wanted to write a book, and I think I self-published my first book when I was about five years old. It was about cats, and my mum still has okay. it in her cupboard. And so I have been that – I've been that kid that, like, when I was young to amuse myself, I would write and illustrate my own books – And it's just like a desire that's been in me my whole life. But, you know, like life happens. I went to university and got a, you know, corporate job. And I, but I kept finding myself every time I would take on a new job, it always had a huge writing component. So I was an instructional designer writing training manuals for a while. I worked in corporate communications and everything in my job was about writing. And I just kind of realized at some point I'm like, I keep gravitating towards this thing that I want to do. Maybe I should stop writing these things that don't really interest me and actually just sit down and write what I want to write, which is a book. Sure. And so how, what was the process for you t- from the time you started uh, writing that first book to the time that you got that first call that said, we want to publish your book? Yeah, it was a bit of a whirlwind. So I'm I'm the kind of person that when I decide I want to do something, I really like throw myself into researching that thing. So I obviously had my stack of Harlequins that my mum had bought me and I was, you know, tearing my way through those and buying more to sort of research what goes into a romance novel and like really falling in love with the genre. And then I actually, before I really had even written all that much, I joined a writer's group 
Um, because I think okay. at the time that like for a lot of people writing a book is one thing, but the whole idea of getting it published is like a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of a mysterious thing. Like how does it all work? And so I, I joined a writer's group and um, started working on my first book during NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month of that year. Sure. And then I started learning about how to submit to publishers and how to find opportunities for like pictures and all of these different things that we do to get the book published. And so I ended up submitting that book um, via like a little competition to Harlequin. And to my complete shock, they requested the manuscript. It was the first time I'd ever submitted anything. So I had no idea what I was doing. I was so nervous. I accidentally deleted the email where they requested (laughs) the book. So I had to like dig it out of my trash folder. And I was just, I was a hot mess. So (laughs) Um, I then submitted the manuscript and they were like, this is, this is great, but um, can you rewrite half of it and send it back to us? So right. I did that. And then they were like, yeah, you've done a really great job, but also could you still keep rewriting half of it and send it back to us? And I, I went through that process about three times, all the while really okay. learning about storytelling and plotting and that sort of stuff. And then eventually they offered me a two-book contract, which was amazing. Wow. Well, I mean, I love that you mentioned the rewrites because I think a lot of times people have this idea that, okay, so when you get a request for a full, um, the idea is they, they're pretty much sold at that point, and they're, and they're not. Mm, um, sometimes not. they just see that they like your style. So uh, my understanding from a lot of um, editors is the um, revise and submit uh, letters they send, a very small percentage of people actually do it. Yes, that's Is that, my understanding yeah. of it too, yeah. From the editors that I've spoken to, I think that because it is, it's quite daunting. So I'm actually mentoring someone at the moment and how we, I ended up getting into this mentoring relationship with her, she came to see me at an event and she had received a revise and resubmit letter and she was so confused about what they were asking for and I think that a revise and resubmit letter has some like very specific language about it and it actually takes a bit of learning to really break down what it is that they're asking for when they use these certain Mm -hmm. phrases like what do those things actually mean in terms of the words on the page and so um, I took her out for a coffee and we literally like with a printout of this letter went through line by line and I said okay when they say xyz this is what they mean and this is a couple of ways that you could achieve that within your story and like really helped her to kind of go through because I remember getting my first one and being really overwhelmed and I was lucky to have some very lovely people in the community do that same thing with me so I'm kind of trying to pass it on because it can be a bit of a daunting experience. You're right Um, and and I think that that's one of the big advantages about being in a writer's group. Um, I know I've talked to different authors over the years that were um, pre-published and they're like well what's the point? Mm -hmm. I'm like because you learn not only things that what you're saying, but also the business of writing, which we just, you know, yeah. you mentioned. And it's, it's a huge process. It's not good. I read a book and everyone goes, yay. I mean, it's like you and all these other people that are waiting to hear from me. Um, so, yeah, I think it's important that you get with people who get the business as well as the mm-hmm. craft. And then are your cheerleaders when you get those letters, even if they're letters of no thanks, you know, thanks, no thanks. Absolutely. Um, I think it's important to, um, to keep moving, moving forward and saying, you know, really want this. 
So you've written, you have those two books, and then, of course, the anxiety never ends, right, because you've got to come up with the next idea, write that proposal, and send it in. Has it been, a, relatively speaking, smooth sailing in a way, or has it been always like each project has, brings its own anxiety? I think it's one of those things that it is like both the best and worst thing, like putting a project out into the world and going on submission and doing all of these things. Because I sold my first book, the first thing I'd ever written, which is unusual, but that people sometimes assume that that means I've never been rejected. Uh, to set the record straight, I've been rejected a lot, all after that first <laughs> contract. Because I think that's the thing is you, a lot of people think you get your foot in the door and then the contracts just keep on rolling. And unfortunately, that's not how it works. And so there's an incredible right. amount of resilience that's required in this to be able to continually like dig deep for the creativity and then put that in the world and have a thick enough skin that when you get a bad review or you get a rejection or all of these things that you can just kind of dust yourself off and say, that's fine. I'm on to the next thing and just, and keep going. So, I mean, I've been so fortunate. I really have had a lot of very lucky things happen to me in my career, but at the same time, I still do. I am piling up that little stack of rejection letters at the same time. So it's both great and sometimes heartbreaking. Yeah, and and I think too, um, it, I think it's also heartbreaking. I've, I've heard this from different um, authors too. Is they'll you have conferences and people talk or agents uh, say so and so is looking for this, and you write exactly what you think they want, and it's no thanks. And you're like, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's tough. And I mean, sometimes like I had a situation with my agent recently, and my agent is fantastic she's been by my side for a long time and um, I really love working with her I sent her this idea that I thought was gold and I was so excited about it and she basically came back and was like no try again and I so we had a chat about it at conference and I was like this idea is amazing like what's wrong with it and then when I started talking to her about it she's like oh all that stuff sounds fantastic why didn't you put any of that in the blurbs that you sent me and I was like oh that's an excellent question so Sometimes it's that we authors don't always know the best way to position our ideas that we're expected to write these fantastic books, but then we also have to know how to do a synopsis and blurbs and all these other things. That's a completely different skill set. Yes, and and I think too, it's it's also us stepping away from it for and looking at it as someone who knows nothing about the story. And I I think that's mm. really hard. And right where your critique partners come in and and such that you're like, this is great, but I don't know what's going on, you know, or, yeah. I, and, and you're looking at it going, well, of course, uh, it's this, it's obvious. And then you read it and go, oh, wait, I didn't put in that, you know, this or this happens. Oh, well, of course you don't. Know. Yeah. So and we forget sometimes yeah, what's it, in it, our head versus what's on the page. Yes, exactly. So let's go to, you've got like all of these categories of books that are just fantastic and lovely and saucy and what have you, but you have um, your newest book has just come out, yes. correct? So it's coming out about, on Tuesday, yes. Yes, so, and you've got your pre-orders there, The Aussie yep. Next Door. And so tell me about this. So this book is kind of both in my wheelhouse, but also a little bit of the departure from some of the stuff that I've been writing. It's an Australian set book, which makes me so happy. Uh, it's set in a <laughs> fictional coastal town called Patterson's Bluff, which uh, for anyone who might be from Australia, I've kind of 
um, put it near Sorrento on the Mornington Peninsula, which is a place I spent a lot of time as a kid. And the story is about a comic book artist hero who's on the autism spectrum and he lives in this big house that has a little flat out the back and he has rented that flat to an American woman. And she's on the run from her past. She had something really horrific happen in her childhood. And so her main goal in the story is that she wants to find somewhere to live and build a life for herself away from the sort of bad press and spotlight of her past in America. And she's decided that she Mm -hmm. wants to camp out and live in this little town. But her visa is about to expire because she had some bad legal advice. And um, so she basically needs to leave the country, I think it's in two months. And so she's decided that she'll do whatever it takes to stay. So she wants to fall in love and get married and she's going to try and do that in two months. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so this isn't just a green card, um, as you know, we'd say in a United States green card. I don't know what the terminology would be for Australia, but um, it, it's not just a I'm going to get married if, uh, so I can stay. It's I want to fall in love and get yeah. married. Yeah, she's an incredibly nice. idealistic <laughs> heroine, which I personally, I love a person like that. So she's you know, she wants to have it all, I think, because she figures that her past has been so horrible that really she's, like, racked up a whole lifetime worth of good luck, and she wants to use that right now to find the man of her dreams and get married and do it all in a very expedited timeline. Oh, how wonderful. Now, the cover is beautiful. I really love it. Um, did you have – and this is a, another thing I think a lot of, of people believe is authors have a lot of say about their book covers, which is absolutely 0% true unless you're a complete indie author. And yep. a few publishers do give you some say. But, um, but overall, it's really the publisher's final say. Did you have any input for this one? Nope. <laughs> I generally don't <laughs> with my books. Um, Having said that, I love it and wouldn't change a single thing. It's possibly one of my most favorite covers that I've had. And actually, I got the cover before I had started really writing the book. So my publisher and I had the idea of what we wanted to do for the story. But because of my because of my schedule and I do work with a couple of different publishers at the point of time that I sign a contract and get an idea over the line, I don't always start writing it straight away. So often there's quite a bit of a lag because I have to fit it in between other things that are already contracted and deadlines coming up. So I I signed this contract and then didn't start working on the book for quite a while. And um, then I was at conference uh, last year and I had lunch with my publisher and she was like, oh, here's your cover. And I was like, hey, this is actually fantastic because now I can like get a sense of the feeling of the story and I can picture them. And I was like, I want to do this for all my books. This is great. So you have another one, The Switch, in the same series. It will be The Switch will be book two. The Aussie Next Door is book one of this new series. Uh, what can you tell us about The Switch? So The Switch is um, still following the same family that's featured in book one, which is the Walters family. So the hero of the second book is Trent, which is the younger brother of Jace, the hero in book one. And he's kind of like the town charmer. He was a little bit of sort of like the funny class clown guy in high school. And he worked as a building contractor. And so the um, the premise of this series is that we have a lot of women coming to escape um, bad things happening to them uh, in their lives in America. And they're hiding out essentially in this small town. So the premise for the second story is that 
um, the Cora, who is the heroine, is doing a house swap. So it's kind of like that movie The Holiday where they swap homes. So she's coming to Australia to live in this, like, kind of run-down little cottage. And the woman that lives there is um, going to Manhattan to live in her fancy apartment. And uh, But what she doesn't know is that the person who owns the house, her brother, is actually living in the house because he's helping to fix it up. And so they have a okay. very funny meet-cute involving some bad plumbing and flooding of a bedroom, which ruins a scrapbook that they then have to basically, like, put back together. Oh, wow. So you've gone through all these little details. Is it something that you, when you're plotting a book, I know everyone has their own methods, do you have, like, I have this idea, like this broad general idea, or do you more of the time start with just a scene that you want to write and build around that? Do you know, I mean, is is it project dependent? Yes, it is a little bit. It does kind of vary from project to project, but often I will have, so I try these days to put my story ideas together in terms of concept. So I start Mm -hmm. with basically what I hope will kind of end up in the blurb. And so for this book, it was the house swap idea. I wanted to do a holiday. So we're calling it the holiday meets property brothers because of sort of the house swap thing, but then we've got like the sexy contractor who's on site And so that's kind of where I started for that book. Um, I have, sometimes I just have like a funny idea that pops into my head. So I have a book that basically starts where the um, heroine has a few too many drinks and decides to order some adult toys online. And then she actually puts her address in wrong and it goes to her next door neighbor, which is just mortifying. So like sometimes that's kind of the idea of where the story starts and I build the characters off that. I think who would be in that position that she would be, having a bottle of wine by herself and ordering this stuff online. And that sort of like spirals out into a full character. (laughs) But, and you've got other series, you've got the, um, the bad bachelors, you've got Greek billionaires, Melbourne after dark, the dangerous bachelors club behind the bar. You've got uh, other standalones as well as Melbourne ballerinas. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, obviously you love the happily ever after. Um, Is there, one that you have always wanted to do, like a story, but haven't done it yet. I mean, we all have those stories like sitting in the back. It's kind of a departure from what we've done. Have you, do you have one of those tucked away? Yeah, I have a young adult fantasy idea that has been in my brain for probably over a decade now. And I keep telling myself I'm going to write it and I just, haven't found time my schedule is so incredibly busy and I think sometimes when you get into an area of publishing like I feel like there's so much I want to do within romance all of the stories I want to create and the brand that I want to build for myself and the career I want to build for myself that the idea of taking Mm -hmm. time off to do something completely different is kind of scary but I I sure this idea is just not going away so at some point in time it's going to have to happen Right, right. It's that nagging, um, nagging character that keeps saying, "Hello, I'm, I'm ready." Yes, you know, I'm still like, here. no, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's uh, there's uh, Pam Morrissey is um, uh, a Rita Award-winning author, and she's here in San Antonio, and she did a presentation years ago about talking about uh, characters, and she said there was a book she was writing that the backstory for the hero, the the father had died. And um, she was writing away, and the dad showed up in the book, and she said, no, no, you're dead. So and she would erase him. 
And then she was writing the next day, and the dad showed up again. And she said, no, no, you're not supposed to be here. And so day three, he showed up again, and she's like, oh, forget it. So she kept him. And she said it actually made the story stronger. So it's like that. Mm. Those little nuggets keep showing up. So um, I would be thrilled to see you develop that other project. So I will be watching to see uh, when that (laughs) comes out. Um, Tell me, um, so you've got the switch going on, and what other uh, projects do you have uh, in the works? So I'm about to kick off a new series with Harlequin Dare, which are shorter, kind of steamier reads. I'm doing my first series in first person, which is okay. um, really fun. And again, a bit of a departure. Everything else I've written has been in third person. So the first book is coming out in September this year. And so I'm writing book number three at the moment, uh, which is a okay. really fun sort of wrong brother, runaway bride thing. Uh, all these books are set in Melbourne around a um, like an apartment tower complex called 21 Love Street. And people keep essentially falling in love with their neighbours. So it's a lot of like forced proximity Uh, you know, hot guy, hot gal next door kind of stories. And they're super fun, like definitely on the rom-com side, but quite steamy. Uh, And then the first person was a challenge that I really wanted to dive into and um, have a go at because I'd never done it before. And I find that it just makes my voice sound sort of even bigger and stronger. And I'm really enjoying that. So I'm definitely going to continue writing books in first person as well as third. Great. So that's something I'm working on at the moment. Is that so? Your first book with Dare is faking it. Uh, what is the is the second book the one coming out in September, or is faking it the one coming out in September? No, faking it's the one that's coming out in September. That's book one in the series, and then I've got the okay. Swing, which is out in January. That's book two, and then I'm already on to book three because we work very far ahead of schedule with Harlequin. Right. Yes, they they do love setting their schedules quite far in advance. Um, so tell me, we have about uh, three minutes left. So okay. tell me who, who is on your to be red pile right now? Oh, I can tell you actually, because I have it all stacked up, ready to take with me to Australia when I go home. So I have not the girl you marry by Andy J. Christopher, which is a like super fun looking romantic comedy. I have um, a couple of Harlequin desires. I've got One Night White Lies by Jessica Lemon because I absolutely love her books. And I also have a paranormal romance, Guardian's Mate by Jennifer Ashley, because I don't know much about paranormal romance, but I've been kind of wanting to dip the toe in. And that book came highly recommended from a very trusted source. So I'm excited to give that a go. And I'm sure that you collected quite a few when you were at RWA. Yes, I certainly did. <laughs> did you have to my poor suitcase? <laughs> I, well, because oh. I'm in Canada at the moment, it's um, it's really expensive. So I'm like walking past the UPS store, like envying all these people in America that can ship their books home, but it would cost me like a hundred dollars. So I just jammed them into my suitcase. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I had to ship home um, a huge case. It cost me about seventy bucks, um, but it was it was. A very large box of books, uh, and yeah, and worth every penny. It's you know, they're books. Like we said, you just can't, you just can't have enough. Um, it's one of the most exciting when things you, about conference, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's like, let's see, I can get my registration money back just in this room with all these books yep. that I'm going to take home. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, the publishers, if if you're not familiar, the publishers will have book signings with 
loads of authors, and you walk in and they sign them and they hand you the book. So it's tremendous and lovely um, to get to meet a lot of the authors. So many of us have been admiring through their work. It's just it's just a like a fan fest in a way. It's so much fun. Um, so let me review. You have the Aussie Next Door is coming out on Tuesday. Uh, you have Faking It coming out next month. You mm-hmm. have The Fling coming out in January. And what other projects do you have coming out for 2020? I have a super secret squirrel project that I'm working on to be to be named and confirmed and all of that good stuff, but I'm writing something at the moment that I am going to be putting out myself, which is incredibly exciting. And uh, so that is in the works at the moment. Yes, I know. Super sneak peek. I'm not talking about it much at the moment because it's uh, early days, but that uh, new series will be launching next year. And then I I have a couple of contracts on the go at the moment for some longer length books, but we're still nutting out exactly what those are going to look like. I'm thinking there's going to be another New York romantic comedy, possibly the opposite story of The Switch, so we get to see both okay. sides of the house swap. So that's being Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's wonderful. So everybody, this was Stephanie. This is uh, where we're talking to Stephanie London today. If you want to look her up, it's S-T-E-F-A-N-I-E-London.com. Um, you can also find her on social media. All the links for her social media accounts are on um, the website and her newest book, The Aussie Next Door, comes out on Tuesday. Thank you so much for talking to us today. Oh, thank you for having me. It was great. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.